0: intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net.
1: sean there we are
2: wow that was very like fancy
1: right with the music yeah. and everything it must be yeah. like a special occasion i wonder yeah. what that is or who that could be yeah it's a special someone yes very special who's that
3: a ghost, a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> chloe you couldn't you
1: could make me any happier you, totally know how much I love Halloween. And if we're going <laughs> to go with that, I, I'm in all month long. So wonderful. Hi. It's Chloe Mestagi. Hi, everyone. Thanks Hi.
3: for having me on. I, this is so exciting. It's, I like your uh,
1: intro. Right? It's the first time that we actually playing it live. We usually put it in post production, but Sean got, got old tech and I uh, figured out how to do it. So. It just saved me time from editing, also because we normally do not even edit any of these episodes. So whatever, whatever goes on the internet is there forever. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> it's not even scary a little bit, right?
3: Right. Yeah. No, Talking no, about no, no, Definitely not.
1: Well, we're so happy to have you on. You're your guest number two, and this is episode number eighteen. And uh, I have a feeling that the next few episodes, seriously, until the end of the, of the month, they're going to kind of bring a little bit of Halloween. I know that my news today has eh, a little bit of Halloween on that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's make a round of uh, how are things going. So let's start with you, Chloe. First of all, for people that may not be familiar with you because they've been living in a cave for like the past... <laughs> 20 years or something, uh, a little bit about yourself, and uh, and then we, we make a round of what we are up to.
3: Yeah. Hi, everyone. Once again, my name is Chloe Mastagi, and I am a strategist and also researcher. Uh, you may have heard of We Open Tech or Hacking is Not a Crime. Those are both two organizations that I co-founded. I also have a podcast with ITSP Magazine called The Change-Making Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? If you (laughs) haven't tuned in, you should. We basically have guests that are trying to make a difference in security and tech. And what are ways that you can roll up your sleeves to get involved?
1: So inspiring. So inspiring. Yeah. Diana. Last time you brought a guest that is, was part of the y Today we have Chloe yeah. representing women, diversity, and everything from A to Z and even all the way around and backward. So um, that's who we are, right? That is who we are.
2: Yeah, we're inclusive, we're, we're open, we're everybody. It's all about the big conversation. And sometimes I was interested when it said at the beginning, you know, intelligence is power. And sometimes we embrace the fact that we don't know everything
1: too, which is nice. Yep. That's uh they say <laughs> it's a sign of intelligence <laughs> to understand it. I don't know if that applies to us but at least we're trying like you know if you know that you don't know everything that means that you
4: you're aware. I'm slightly different cuz I don't know anything.
3: Oh. oh! Now you're just showing off, Sean. That you're highly intelligent.
4: Highly unintelligent.
1: <laughs> he's doing. He's doing. Re- he's doing tricks of rever- reverse psychology on us. That's right. Yeah. Chloe, That's right. come on. Yeah. Put him in a corner right there. It's,
4: it's my um, own birthday today.
1: It's your it's unbirthday. Your
2: un-birthday? Too.
3: Wow. Mm. Happy unbirthday. I don't
2: know how to take that from Sean. This could be your actual birthday. It could be 6 months away from your actual birthday. It could be not even close. Like, where are we on the spectrum? What does unbirthday really mean?
1: He's it tricking isn't. us cuz he yeah. wants he wants us to say happy birthday because it was not too long ago. We're not going to say when it was, but it wasn't. Too long ago. So happy right. non-birthday! She came
4: and went. So I'll I'll, I'll uh, celebrate a non-birthday today. Okay. <laughs> it's a lovely okay. day out, and uh, yeah, I, I mean it's it's good. I mean the, the sky is blue, a few clouds, mid seventies. It's really nice. So Very not cool. that I get out much. Into it's a good
2: day. <laughs> yeah, good day. But when I do, I enjoy. It. <laughs> I enjoy it from my window next to my desk as I'm working. <laughs> exactly.
3: Wait, I thought that we all lived in like, you know, underground, right? <laughs> Last time people. I checked, if we're in the hacker community, we live in, you know, in our mom's basement or something.
4: <laughs> well, it's hard to see the sky from under the hood of the hoodie. That's for sure. yeah, yeah,
3: exactly.
1: Yeah, I have, I have binaries number coming down on the, on the wall. You know, like, like the Matrix
2: <laughs> in back of you.
3: I got my ski mask on. Got to keep my right. face nice and warm and itchy.
2: And <laughs> prep. I, I actually legitimately am wearing a hoodie right now, but it's because they're comfy. <laughs> they're just, it's yeah, comfy yeah. athleisure. What can uh, do, I say?
1: Do you have the hood on? That's the question. No,
2: the hood's not up. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to get tinsel in my hair tomorrow in honor of Halloween.
4: Oh, cool. so, the tinsel yeah. weave. Is that a thing?
2: It is. I'm, I'm kind of, kind of bringing back the nostalgia of uh, uh, Adrian Malouf, the first season of Beverly Hills uh, Housewives. <laughs> Housewives, I have Beverly Hills, but yeah, my, my friend has convinced me that what my hair needs is some tinsel, and you know what? I think maybe that that's the truth. So I'm going to give it a shot.
4: Are you easily convinced, Dana?
2: Not always, but I have to say, when sparkly things are involved, yes. sometimes it's easier <laughs> to get me to say yes
4: shiny sparkly
1: things sorry that was me i just pushed the button i shouldn't have pushed oh come on let's you know as we do small talk sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna steer on halloween again um (laughs) who is not excited about halloween here so that i can just kick him out from the conversation see you later (laughs)
2: So it depends on what you mean, because as far as being super excited to see all the kids dressing up and coming by your house, that sadly doesn't happen because literally we've lived here in this house seven years and not one child has trick or treated because I think we're just a little bit too far away from the the center of town and the town has a big thing um, where all the kids go. So I, I used to get excited about seeing all the kids and talking to them and seeing the costumes, um, so I can't get excited about that, but I do dress my dogs up every year, so that's something I look forward to. I don't know if they do though.
1: Do you dress up? Uh,
2: not, not anymore. But I, I did. I uh, used to when I was uh, younger. I did a lot of, of childcare, and I, I always liked to dress up as Susie Sue when I took the kids out trick or treating because I really felt that you know she was sort of like a walking Halloween costume. <laughs>
1: Really cool, really cool. How about you, Chloe? Do you got kids going around where you leave? or
3: nope? I live in a very urban setting, so nope. Mm-hmm. Which is one of those things, because I, I have to agree. When you don't have like kids coming and asking for candy, it kind of feels weird. Yeah. And then of course you can always go to these Halloween parties, and everything, but it's still pandemic, so it's a little bit mm-hmm. still tricky to do certain things. But. I know my dogs hate it a lot. <laughs> they, they don't like costumes. If I put them in a costume, they stay frozen. Like Medusa just looked at them like statues. And they're like that for hours. Like four hours, they'll just stand right there, tail down. And it looks like animal cruelty has just occurred. But hmm. it's just because I put a bandana. A bandana.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. that's not, I don't even know if that qualify as a costume. It's
3: right. A- I, I, I've, been, I've been trying. <laughs> I, like, I, I got Little like... Flare. Right? So Sherlock in her first year, she had like the Sherlock costume on. Didn't move for four hours. So friends just kind of passed her around the room holding her because she didn't want to move at all. And so after that, I was like, all right, I'll, next costume I get, I'll get something like a bandana or something. Something very small. Nope, doesn't move. And then Luna, my other Sheba does not like anything on there. She like literally will growl, she'll get angry. And then Sherlock tries to help take it off of her. Yeah, it's just it's never gonna happen. Halloween with those two. Never so, happened.
2: Chloe, when you say Sherlock had the Sherlock, was that a little deer stalker? You had a little deer stalker on, on Sherlock's head there, a little deerstalker cap.
3: <laughs> yep. I had wow. the nice, and I had the nice little coat. I oh. like I went all out for her wow. first Halloween thinking that she would like it. But granted, yeah. she did not like it. I also thought that she would like, you know, New Year's Eve one time, and I took her, and there was fireworks near, and she did not like that at all. Yeah. I learned real fast. She <laughs> crawled up me like a cat and screamed in my ear. <laughs> so yeah, lessons learned. It's hard being a parent. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh well, 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 it's because we try to project what we like on on them, and they may not. Yeah. Might not be that, but no matter what, my dogs are going to get dressed. Apparently, that's the, that's the <laughs> plan. It's not my plan, but somebody in the house wants to do that. And <laughs> and I'll take pictures and post it on the internet. Sean, what about you? Because uh, I'm going somewhere here with that idea we had about doing an Halloween episode of that's, that's in the getting works. together with, the uh, you know, like we've done the, the Christmas one. Why not doing an Halloween? So I'm kind of like, checking the water here to see if people are going to show up with some dressing <laughs> yes. on or not
3: please please okay. have it please all right. okay. uh, i need i need some fun here in this, this cave or this basement. <laughs> in your basement <laughs> in my basement live i need to, I need to wear something else than a ski mask
1: all right live from the cave live from the cave from the cave all right sean what's your take on Halloween? and then we move on on tech
0: yeah.
4: So, uh, actually I would connect it to So I'm, I'm, I have a ton of Halloween stuff. So when I lived uh, in beach city, well, meant a few different places, but in the beach city, I decked the place out top to bottom cobwebs, spider webs, tombstones,
0: mm-hmm. giant
4: spiders. Uh, I don't know. Just tons of, tons of things, smoke machines. Uh, you name it. I had, I had the gear, um, flickering light, uh, candelabras and chandeliers and all kinds
1: Sounds of things. Sounds like a Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
4: Exactly. So, but then, uh, then I moved to the middle of nowhere and similar to our our uh, co-guests co, uh, here today, not much in terms of kids cruising around. So no no sense in putting all that stuff up for just myself. So I didn't bother. I've hmm. since given most of it to, uh, to my dad who... Who uh, enjoys a lot of it, and uh, th- this year being in the middle of everything, I expect to see a ton of costumes. But uh, mm-hmm. not not certain how the trick or treating stuff works, but we'll see. So I, I love it. Um, love the movies, the horrors. Love the love the decorating. Uh, Muffin didn't get much much uh, decoration herself. I don't think she she didn't dig it and didn't really bother. So.
1: <laughs>
2: all right i he gotta got ask
4: you got spared
2: what do think people think about the what's going to be the popular uh costume because i had a bunch of ideas but then now after squid game I, i'm, I'm oh, thinking oh god no. i knew you yeah, we were gonna was go just there
3: about to say, so i was like i bet you there's gonna be a lot of squid game costumes yeah. coming
2: out right yeah fencing mask red boiler right. suit you're ready yeah
1: Right, yeah. I have not seen an episode yet, but Caro did. And she was like, okay, another one, another one. This is so yes. weird. Another one. Another... Oh, yeah. my God. This is so weird. I'm like, what are you watching? <laughs> and then I read the news this morning that there was like a fight that pick up in a store because they were allowing to do some of the games and get merchandise. I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. But <laughs> I'm not I'm not there yet. So have if, if you actually seen it?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh Yeah. All them. And I, yep. I, it is dark. I, I felt, I felt dirty after watching <laughs> the oh, episodes, geez. but I need to get through them all. Cause I was like, I gotta know. I mean, I kind of knew who was going to end up being the winner and everything, but yeah. the whole thing just from like a cognitive science point and like psychology, it's, it's sad because I, feel like in some ways it's very realistic. Mm, and yes. that I think that's the scary part of the entire yeah. series is that yeah. this could happen in a sense.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, That that is. Like, that. I think that the sets where they play the games, that's definitely um, would be, but I think yeah, emotionally people being willing to play those kinds of games and that, and with those rules. Yeah, I totally agree.
4: It and here happen. I thought there was a, a comeback of uh, Laverne and Shirley. I thought you said Squiggy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that would be a costume. <laughs> why? Why we always have to date ourselves with you know talking I'm about eighties yeah, music? talking
3: about right now? Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> I'm too young for that. You know, not that I grew up watching Epidays or anything. I'm thinking uh, to dress yeah, like researching history. the phones. <laughs> uh, well, yes. Cool, cool. Wow, this is something that I think we're gonna talk for for a while. It's definitely a phenomenon that that is happening, and yeah, for sure, Chloe. That got a lot of study to be done, and 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 you know how social media is maybe part of that, and and, and so forth. So, but why don't we move into some tech news uh, now that we kill killed about sixteen minutes of? <laughs> you know, I, I think people enjoy this kind of conversation we cannot just be all business and are we really ever all business in this show I don't think so Diana I see matahari yeah as your nickname today so bring it on
2: all right we're gonna talk spies. Uh-huh. And, and and spy craft
1: or and, spyware. I don't
2: know. And, <laughs> no, not, not spyware. Actually, <laughs> how how technology has changed spycraft and where it might go. There was hmm. a really interesting. This was reported by the New York Times. I don't think any other news outlet has seen this top secret cable or confirmed it. But um, the New York Times just a couple of days ago came out with it. there was a top secret cable from top intelligence officials to all the CIA bases that said that there was problem with informants being recruited in foreign countries that were not being protected properly. So that meant that a lot of them were getting captured and killed. Um, There have been adversarial intelligence agencies in countries where we've got spies like Russia, China, and Iran. They've been hunting down the CIA sources And sometimes they try and turn them into double agents, sometimes they kill them. There was one incident in 2018 that saw 20 CIA informants executed in China after their secret communication system with the CIA was compromised. So this is a it's a serious problem then the way that spying occurs is definitely changing. The cable itself listed some reasons including poor tradecraft, being trusting of sources, moving too quickly to recruit. So some real sort of procedural things that could be that could be done, you know, like recruiting more slowly after you've maybe vetted people for a little bit more closely. But what was interesting to add on to that is that um, CNBC did an, uh, an interview with someone, and, and or NBC News, and, and I hope that I, I get his name right. It's Duane, I believe, Norman. And he's a 27-year veteran of the CIA, and he has a view that's a little bit of an outlier among his his colleagues. But he believes, or his former colleagues at the CIA, he, he believes that um, what's what's really going on, what's changed everything, is the digital dust from technology that were passed. And his his quote, you know, the very idea of a globally dispersed cadre of undercover officers operating in the shadows away from prying eyes is obsolete. And that is due to technology and the ubiquity of technology. So everything, those that digital um, dust prints that, you know, footprints that we leave um, and digital dust that we leave all the way from if you're a, a child now, your parents may well be putting pictures of you on, on uh, you know social media. Certainly by the time kids are in, in school, grade school, and middle school, and, and up to college, they do a lot of sharing on social media. So we've created these digital footprints of ourselves. So if you're going to try and go under an assumed name in a different country, it's a very different reality now than it was, say, you know, in the 1950s, for example. And then you add on to the fact that Our faces are pretty public and there's a lot of facial uh, recognition and camera surveillance going on that our devices are leaving little footprints about ourselves or geolocation and triangulation and phone metadata. So thinking of it that way, you know, I can understand why this this Norman person is, is talking about how spycraft is forever changed and what really on top of that, so I was thinking this is really fascinating that Spycraft has changed. It's because of technology and what does that mean for the future? And then the last bit of it is that the experts that are looking at this are saying that they think that OSINT, open source information, from things like public sensors and those cameras and, you know, the phone geo is ultimately how we're going to start spying well again by being able to use things like ML to find patterns in all of this open, openly available signal and data about people and doing spy craft that way, which kind of blew my mind because it started to feel like we had gone back to a place that I felt very comfortable with, which is SIM, <laughs> you know, and Sims and network analysis and looking for anom- anomalies and behavior, taking huge you know, trillions of signals and trying to distill out something that tells you about is there an attack going on? So that kind of ultimately blew my mind. Where wow, has spy actually has spy spycraft is it ultimately going to be where we've been in in IT for a while, which is trying to go through massive amounts of patterns to see where the problems may be? And suddenly it's it's the digital world has become the real world. It's kind of mind blowing. So. That's that was my new that was my news about, about tech and changing spycraft? Hmm,
4: we, we can't get the sock to work. Are we gonna?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, yeah, that's a great point. Are
4: we gonna, are we gonna get spycraft to work?
2: <laughs> yeah, internationally, yeah.
1: It's a, it's well, I, I, it made me think as you were talking because you know, you refer to the parents that put pictures and when they're kids, and you, you don't know what they're gonna turn out to be. What if they're gonna end up yeah. being politician or celebrities and then everything could be used i even heard stories from back in a few years ago where there were i think in france there were like kids suing their parents for not having the permission to put them when they were baby (laughs) online so we're in a kind of a weird world right now and i think chloe can totally bring her perspective on this and but i can see that has you think that the internet it's kind of like nobody knows you're a dog, but then everybody knows actually who you are yeah. and how this is reflecting on a, something like spying. It's like, hey, you know, it's easy to spy because I can use all the internet stuff and do reconnaissance yeah. and, and 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 all that stuff. And then it's like, wait a minute, this is going to bite me in the butt. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, I strongly believe... Um the The thing that I have a problem with social media is that someone can take a photo of you, post it anywhere, and you who are in that photo, you cannot have it taken down because mm-hmm. the photo was taken without mm-hmm. your permission. I think that's the problem I have with social media is that it like I could delete any pictures that I don't want ever to come out or anything like that. But when it comes to someone else posting something, I don't have control over that. And that Mm -hmm. makes me nervous, especially when people can Photoshop things. And Mm -hmm. that scares me because I see, you know, you know, you see these cases online about exes, like taking, Photoshopping you, putting you into things that you weren't in. And then that haunts you. And then we have cases of like women taking their life because Mm -hmm. this has now become such a problem and spread. How do you, Get ownership of your own body back and your own image back. So I think that's the whole thing is having a deeper conversation about social media, what's okay, what's not okay. And I feel like because of Facebook in the light right now and Instagram recently about the research that came out that it impacts, you know, young Mm. girls and women when it comes to their body image. I think we have to take a step back and really think this through and, and really create something where it benefits society, not hurts society.
1: Yeah, and I thought that James Bond and you know Sean Connery's James Bond was cool because he had the high tech. I can not even imagine now with the. <laughs> the have you seen the? What's Daniel of, Craig got? <laughs> yeah, right. Have you seen the the guy that is now is playing guitar as Tom Cruise, and it's it's yeah. a. I mean, you cannot tell the difference. I cannot tell is a fake. It's a deep, uh, you know, it's a deep fake. It's it's crazy. So I can't even imagine, you know, remembering during the Cold War where you could pick a picture of like the ration that maybe they were hiding, like somebody's sick, like a personality or a president or somebody in the in the high level just by Photoshopping something and then showing it. It was like, that is so fake. (laughs) But it was easy because it was black and white, like no definition. Now you can actually alterate reality, which is crazy. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I was going to say I, I know Chloe you were kind of touching on it the innocent bystanders and you, you did the, uh, mm. the photo and I know there are sunglasses now that capture images and I presume people are just walking down the street taking videos and photos of all kinds of stuff and people are in it and don't even know and clearly didn't uh, agree to be part of it And I've, I also think to being inside environments where there's an Alexa, let's say, or some other digital assistant that's always listening. Once you enter that space, you're potentially being recorded. Maybe a friend's house, maybe a family member's house, maybe a restaurant that has it on so they can tell it to, to turn the music on. <laughs> <laughs> but the, all these conversations are being captured. All these images are being captured big tech is capturing it and storing it and using it. Um, but it sounds like, uh, governments are also doing the same.
2: But that it was an interesting thing. And, in, and one of the parts of one of the articles I was reading and, and prep to talk about this was saying that some folks are saying that, well, what we need to depend on is commercial companies doing business in other, in other countries, giving us back information about things that may impact, um, and you know security back in the homeland which on the one hand when you think about security yes I can understand why that someone would say they are interested in that but on the other if you're a commercial company doing business in another country you have to adhere to the laws of that country you're not there to spy for the U.S. government you're there commercially so it becomes a really interesting question on um you know I, I hope that we don't end up getting back into like severe lines of sovereignty and saying well you know like I can't even do business in a different country because of, of the rules and because of the fear of of uh, you know being snooped on but it was kind of interesting that yeah there are some people that are saying that's it we need the commercial companies who are doing business in these other countries to feed us this data
1: you know' you're easy to be a spy that's for sure uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I think well, um, we, we could talk about this forever.
4: Some of the encryption laws. Sorry, Mark. Were no, no, the ahead. encryption laws uh, designed to help with spying to make sure things remained open? You couldn't import technology that had or export technology that had, encrypt, had encryption in it. Or I mean, encryption. I can't remember.
2: Yeah it's it's interesting right I mean we had we have like the years ago the I'm in France attack remember because you, France wouldn't allow cryptography for a little while you just say your your server was in France and it couldn't have have crypto on it um yeah I mean and I don't think we have the situation where exporting cryptos and munition anymore but I I do wonder if if this becomes too much of a problem if if, if Governments can't get the back doors they want into the data. Are we going to get into that? I, I, when I read Cryptonomicon, I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. But the more I see, the the longer, you know, as, as things are progressing, I do wonder if we get into a situation where encryption is outlawed. Are we going to start having islands out in the middle of the ocean of encryption?
4: It's offshore. It's safe.
2: Offshore.
1: Harbor. Yeah. I radio. Mm-hmm. Ah, you'd be all ready for that, one. <laughs> oh, I want to do that. That's that's my dream life. Uh, for, forget the cave. I want to live on a boat and just play 60s, 70s music all day long. All right. Let's go with our guest, Chloe. Okay. What's your news?
3: All right. So we all know that the Google Pixel is coming out soon, and we're going to know more about this new device, but also the iPhone, the new one just came out. I think it's a good time for us to discuss what we need to know about our phones. Now, usually when we purchase phones, we want the latest technology because it's so cool, has new features and everything. That's great and everything, but we also need to take a step back because the reality is that there is absolutely no ethical phone out there. What do I mean Mm -hmm. is that your phone has conflict materials, has sustainability issues, it has labor issues. So anytime that we are replacing our phone, You know, like the new one just came out. So I'm getting rid of my one-year-old phone. We are creating a huge disaster for this planet. But also we are basically giving it the A-OK for child labor and slavery to continue. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that so people have an idea of what I'm talking about here. So So you're you're, you're all
4: for exploiting the
3: the environment? (laughs) Definitely not exploiting the (laughs) environment. (laughs) even though it's tempting the new phones that are coming out the reality is the most sustainable option and most ethical option is just hold on to your phone just if it's if it's you know if it's still running and everything's cool with it keep it keep it as long as you can and the reason for that is let's let's first dive into the little basics here so we're going to talk a little about materials the process supply chain working standards and ability to repair in a very short matter of time so there's going to be missing gaps but Just the highlights here. So the metal that's usually used for your batteries have to be mined. And usually smaller hands and long hours take place in this. So the thing to note is that a lot of the cases of those folks that are in those mines are children. And unfortunately, it's also in the Democratic Republic of Congo. So 50% of the world's cobalt comes from the DRC And 20% comes from artisanal mines. Also, 40,000 children work the mines. The thing to know is that they're making one to two U.S. dollars for every 12 hours that they are in the caves. And the one thing to keep in mind is that they're not having any protection whatsoever. So they're, they're digging and they're trying to get all this material, but this material itself puts their life in jeopardy and can have them have a shorter lifespan. And this could be starting at the age of six years old. The thing to note is that there are 60 plus different metals out there that are in our devices, and many of them are rare earth materials that uses child and slavery to make sure that it occurs so we can have our device. Now you know about the materials that, now it's going to the supply chain part going into, you know, casting the phones. So we've already heard a little bit about in China where we had workers that have been working there for more than 10 hours on their feet without bathroom breaks, without any food whatsoever. And the other thing is not having protection. So they're dealing with hazardous materials. And this, once again, shortens their lifespan causes them to have cancer early on by having that material near them. And one of the things to think about that We also have the case with Samsung. So in 2016, the company was accused of poisoning its workers. More than 200 people died or became seriously ill on the production line. And the ages of folks that are usually in these production lines are 14 years old and and older. So in other words, when we take a look at our phones, we already know we have conflict materials in it. We also see labor issues involved with it. But now let's talk about sustainability. You know, the thing about smartphones, they can make more than 80 tons of e-waste from discarded smart devices. And the thing is that more and more production of the phones, the way that it's created the design, is that we're starting to use less screws and using more glue. And the thing to note about is that when you're trying to recycle these devices, they have to take it apart. And so they have to scrape the glue. The problem is that when scraping everything, this also exposes folks to lead and mercury because, once again, they're most likely not having any protection gear on them. And the thing to note is that the other thing is that, for example, the iPhone 13 produces 81% of 64 kilograms of carbon generated by a single device. The thing we need to understand is that even when we're getting the materials, it has to be shipped. And then when it's being put, put together, it has to be shipped. It has to be shipped to another location and then finally into the store. So once again, this is not, this is not being conscious about the environment. But the other thing to think about is that, yes, there's new phones that are coming out. They're saying we're using recycled materials to do better for, for the environment. But the reality is, is that we still don't have good recycling programs in the world. And still today, when you drop off your phone to recycle, if you get that newer phone, you know that trade-in program, those phones get sent to developing countries where then they get exposed to materials when they're breaking it down. We don't actually have a good recycling programs around the world when it comes to batteries and when it comes to technology. And so we need to really look into this and start pushing manufacturers to allow us to have the right to repair. The right to repair means providing tools, parts, repair manuals so that we know how to fix our phones or you know, independent shops can fix our phones so we can keep these phones longer. Because it's so important that we do this for the planet, but also we really need to stop using child labor and even promote slavery in any sort of form by our purchases. And the one thing we can do right now is start talking to our legislators about the copyright laws that are protecting companies So they don't share the information of how we can repair our own devices. And that's the one way how we can really solve the situation, ethically, moral reasons, but also sustainably, is by having the right to repair our own devices.
1: I'm going to let Diana go here. Okay yeah I was going to say you are you're you're speaking something
2: that is very near and dear to the hearts of the entire through the tech Time, uh, vine team because yeah you know, we've we've discussed right to repair a few times in a variety of different ways even from our you know why can't we just put a new battery in our phones um all the way to uh, if you, I don't know if you heard about this, Chloe, but there's an issue with the right to repair related to the ice cream machines at McDonald's and the companies yep. that, yeah. Uh, yep. So, we, which we actually covered a few weeks ago on here. Um, so, yeah. So we we agree that, that, and and so glad that you brought this up and really went into a deep dive on it because it's it's such a catch twenty two. There's really not a lot of options for people right now if you want to have a conflict free device. And we do need our our devices, um, but yeah, what goes on around it, and and I mean, right to repair is one thing, but when you're talking about children getting sick and being sick for life, potentially having you know, long-term uh, health issues and cancer, it's just, it, it's really, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And do you have any thoughts on what we can do? I mean, what 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 do we do? How do we get out of this?
3: Yeah. So the one thing I can say is that we need to understand that we need to keep our devices longer. So that means mm-hmm. that when you're thinking, "Oh, I'm doing okay with the environment by switching, you know, my new one and handing over my old one to say for example, Apple or even to Google." The thing is is that you're actually not doing any better for the environment because I think a lot of times we we still think that Plastic is something that's recyclable. It's not. Mm. It's now about if you want to care about our environment, we have to go more towards the zero waste front. So that means keeping things longer. That means our clothes, we should keep them Mm. longer. It means learning the ways how to repair our clothes so we can last longer because, you know, even plastic, you know, there's plastic bits of your phone. Those Mm. cannot compost for up to a thousand years. So we wow. have to think this through, which is what are we doing right now to our planet? And yeah, I understand that, you know, we all have short period of times of our lives on this planet, but we also have to think about who we're handing it over. And it's always been like, oh, you know, the, the future generation will take care of this problem. <sighs> it's like, no, you don't get to pass your problems down to another generation. It means fix the problems. So then your grandchildren don't have to deal with those problems and they can focus on other issues.
4: Yeah. Now, I'm wondering, uh, I, I think I heard you say 60 different types of metal. Yeah. Chloe. Mm. I, I'm just wondering, I, I don't know, it, does, does bringing that down to 50 or, or one type of metal or no metals, is that, I'm just wondering, how, what's the path forward? I mean, well, having no devices, I don't know that that's ever no, going to happen.
3: That's never so, going to happen. So, so metal the cost, free
4: or different metals or fewer metal? I don't know. It's, any, it's, any thoughts there?
3: Yeah, it's figuring out, can we make certain materials that, you know, can be compostable in the long run or one that doesn't use um, child labor to make sure that we have it? And i think that's kind of what we're looking at right i think of it as kind of like the diamond industry right we know child labor is is huge slavery and you know you have the blood diamond conflicts and everything Mm -hmm. like that and the thing to note is that now you know we have labs that are creating these diamonds and you know this means that you know it's not kids going into caves putting their life at harm and at risk And it's not about getting these kids then in India to, you know, cut these diamonds and have poor living conditions where, you know, it shortens their lifetime too. Instead it's looking at what can we do with the technology that we have, or do we create new technology in a sense that we can fix this problem. So the whole thing is reducing what's going into it. Also acknowledging that a lot of these, you know, Materials that we're using right now are rare materials. So that means that, you know, there's going to be a shortage at this point. So how do we fix that problem? How do we recycle those uh, aspects in a controlled environment where people don't put their life at risk?
4: NFT diamonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So I'm just wondering, no. I mean, we're, we're sorry, Mark, I was just thinking no, we, you go. I mean, in a lot of places where we're in a move where we still have vehicles, but fewer people maybe have their own vehicles and they use shared shared riding. I don't know if there's a a model where we no longer have to carry devices around, therefore we don't need the battery power wherever and all the stuff that goes with it maybe or maybe it's just a chip inside us
1: and uh... a.
3: Yeah. Yeah, brain chip you know well, um, you implant have
1: you done the vaccine because if you've done the vaccine you have-
3: <laughs>
2: george soros
3: is yeah. Good, yeah.
1: you have a phone in, you, know, you, just, you just don't know eventually get activated now i mean it, this is a big conversation and as diana said we we have talked about this in many different ways uh, maybe we didn't touch on the the, the child um, yeah. labor but we always talk about a, an economy that is sustainable we talk about green energy you know now we're sucking out carbon monoxide from the atmosphere after we we put it there and we invent stuff to do that Then we always have to fix the mistakes that we've done in the past because yeah the attitude is always going to be it always been like yeah let uh you know let future generation take care of that and we're at the point that we just can't do that anymore um but i wonder and i'm going to be a little bit of devil's advocate here if Just by focusing on, I mean, in this case, we're talking about phone. but I feel like this is a a much larger, is a 360 problem of consumerism. So, you know, even when you talk about food, you talk about, you know, waste, you talk about you know, buying stuff online, uh, mm. you get the boxes, then you return it. Like today, I was listening to this news where like books last year, they actually increased sales, real books, not Audible or electronic books of 25, 21%, but they're very expensive because now paper companies are producing boxes instead of um, instead of paper. And I'm thinking like, well, I don't give a shit what you produce. We're still killing can we Mm -hmm. find a different way to do that and then people are like yeah but we're recycling paper well (sighs) it's the same conversation all over again i mean we're talking about a big cultural change here for for everything like i get sick every time that we don't consume food because maybe we got extra or it goes bad and i hate it but it's like at the same time I, i think like wow think how much it's wasted every day so Um, I know we got to start somewhere and uh, this technology part of everything is old in three months. It's kind of sick. I I agree. When is good enough, right? When is your phone good enough? If we're going to stick with the phone, when is your phone good enough that you don't need the upgrade anymore? How good the camera can Mm. it become? And right.
3: I think it's, it's just us taking a look at our consuming lifestyle and asking the questions like when you go for example if you go and clothes shopping and and you have a choice between like buying something that's from fast fashion where you know it's you know 100 polyester or you look at you know down down the street there's another shop but this shop sells like you know 100 percent cotton shirts and yes it's like three times the price the difference is that we have to pause to realize that sometimes it's important that we understand that fast fashion, you'll buy something and that shirt, those buns will come off within the first few uses of it. Mm-hmm. Versus mm-hmm. if I go down the street to a place where the price might be a little bit higher, but that's because that means that those workers are getting decent pay. That means that the material themselves were you know, they were taken from organizations that are, you know, trying their best to have something more eco-friendly. I think that's the thing is we need to understand a little bit more about the items we buy in. And also understand that I think all of us, to a certain extent, we do care about what we're purchasing, because it's voting, in a sense, we are literally mm-hmm. voting what's okay, what's not okay.
1: Oh, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. All-
3: yeah. But we also have to be careful of greenwashing which I think a lot of electronic companies do this right now. And even clothing, mm-hmm. like for example, Everlane, Everlane, is like a perfect example. We always think of, Oh, we can know where our things are, are, are built and where those materials came from, but the reality they're still practicing bad labor practices mm-hmm. and the materials that they're sourcing are not actually good for the environment. So mm-hmm. that leaves us now thinking about whatever you have in your closet Keep wearing it. If it tears a little bit, sew it. Mm. We have mm. to learn what we have, and also to understand that. Did you know? If you just keep the clothes that you have, they will come back in fashion ten years down the line. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the sure. reality, <laughs> sure. right? Just hold on to what you have. Buy good materials, and oh, you yeah. know, look into what where you're purchasing, where your item comes from. It takes more homework, but there's apps out there that you can know about. Mm. Um, but it's important that we start looking at how we're consuming and acknowledging that we're part of the problem.
1: Mm. Something happened along the way because I I remember, you know, my grandparents be like, no, you buy one thing of good quality and you have it forever. And then when I'm growing up and, you know, like, you know, would fashion be such a big thing? Like every year you're like, what's the new color? Oh, shit, I have that green and now I, so the new color is orange, so the green is not good anymore. And and then you created this circle that sure makes a lot of money to company, but it creates this this horrible horrible thing. And it's it's a mental attitude. It, it really is um, the, the lifestyle. Like I I love you know when you watch. I, I like I like to try to be minimalist. And so like if I buy something, it means that. I really need it. And I maybe I need to think that it something come in, something needs to go away. So do I really need that? Right? Some I don't know. There are many attitudes that you can look at things in a certain way, but I think the majority of the people, and of course, I'm going to bring the dark side, they don't care. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to make yeah. them care.
2: And. I- I, I agree I think a lot of people they they don't care they just they're just it's it's not that they they understand the enormity and the consequences and they're just saying I don't care I got mine I mean there are some people like that but most people I think really are good caring people it's just that they don't understand the enormity or the complexity I mean i i, I I know a little bit about this, but Chloe was just really giving me an incredible education on things like the glue versus the screws. Uh, you know, so I think that that's a big part of the problem is, is education. And a lot of people are really busy, you know, right now people are trying to pay their rent before they get evicted and, you know, they got things on their mind. So worrying, you know, being, being able to be aware of this, I think for a lot of people feels like, ugh it's so much extra but it really is worthwhile because quite frankly, if we can't all be aware of this, it's sort of the same thing with, with animals and eating animals and, and the impact on climate, you know, and versus eating more plants. Um, you know, I think where it's sort of similar. And I know Sean was talking about that last week. It's, it's kind of, it gets a little bit similar because it, it the more people understand, I think the more change we'll see. But it's really hard to get through to them, especially when they've got so many things on their their minds, like, you know, paying rent and, and getting health care.
3: Yeah. And it's just simply also holding individuals and organizations accountable. For example, mm-hmm. like when we go to conferences, like 90 percent of stuff that they hand to us was created out of plastic. That means everything that we're getting yeah. from home is not going to you put it in the trash. It's just going to be sitting in a landfill for anywhere from 400 years to 1,000 years. So, I,
1: I have stopped yeah. getting it. I, I always say, nope, I don't want it. Because Sean <laughs> I can tell you this story. Yeah. One time we were up in San Francisco. And this was before I stopped getting the bags and stuff. And I I wanted to give it to a homeless person. Mm. And, and the guy didn't want it. <laughs> <So I don't laughs> want that crap. what am i doing with that so like, oh my god if it's not good for these guys it's, it's how is it going to be good for anyone else we're just getting all this stuff and then throwing it away so good point good point um so we we're running out and you know what chloe i'd I'll, I'll love to have an entire episode around this uh, somehow i would we- love uh, yeah. either on the change making yeah. your show or you know that's put together a a panel about this and, yeah. and really brought, yeah. bring up the conversation. Um, I'm going to light it up a little bit here in the last 10 minutes, and I'm going to go a little Halloween because also hmm. I love to hear... Both of your opinion on this, and uh, and of course Sean too. But yeah, you're probably already yeah, he's okay, going on man. and off. I don't know, uh, Sean. I don't even know. You if know, you're not. You're you're no reason, some technology. Sean. I'm not, not
4: going to hijack this this uh, great conversation by complaining about crappy internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple <laughs> paths in, and none of them are working.
1: You're like a blinking light. You disappear, reappear, but
4: it's uh, like so that. frustrating. I'm I'm loving what I'm hearing. Want to participate? Yeah, I, no worries. I'd light this up, Marco. I'm not. I'm not going
1: to interrupt. <laughs> I All right, so I'll take the news now instead of yours. Okay, so you're familiar with um, with Sméagol and Gollum in the Lord of the Ring. You know, my precious,
3: the yes. character. Okay, yeah.
1: so that character, he he talks to himself because he has, you know, who used to be the good side and then he has the bad side that is owned by. By the ring, and so it, there is always this dialogue, this inner dialogue going on with him. And the reason why I'm connecting with that, apart from loving the Lord of the Ring, and and, and even this character, is that I found this news where they're studying how uh, if a robot with you know an artificial intelligence or a robot that it's becoming part of our life, let's say, um, does. The inner speech it affects the human trust that it has in the in the robot, but also it helps the robot to perform tasks better. So imagine the robot that it is say it's telling you what he's thinking, and why does he get to do a certain action based on what you ask? Think about the time that. I don't know. Your personal assistant doesn't understand what you say, and you don't know why they don't understand what you say. Think if they were processing like, "Hmm, I didn't really understand the word." Or what if I, what if we meant these? It's a, it's a way to, for you as a human to understand the way the robot think, or the artificial intelligence, I guess. And uh, and actually, for the artificial intelligence to get better in in processing task. And they tried it. It's a University of Palermo in Italy that they did this uh, this research. And they tried it with that pepper, the robot, you know, the Japanese one that is really cute mm. that you find in the hotels. <laughs> and it actually, yeah, you just go around and you say, oh, this person asked me this, maybe I can do this, this, and that, and it developed this empathy. So the question for me, knowing Chloe, you you, you know, you are a behavioralist and study this kind of things. How do you see these, us interacting with robots? And does it really help us to know the way they're thinking instead of being the black box that is just delivering answers without knowing how they get to it? Is it going to help our relationship with it?
3: Do you think that in some ways there's this fear that if we don't know what's going on in their head, that they'll try to take over the world and we will know about it. So if we have them display by sharing how they're thinking things through and their processes, that, you know, that will make people feel more safe to use them.
1: That's my thinking. And that's what the conclusion of this research is. So it's not a black box anymore, but you kind of know where they're going. Still, yeah. they could lie to us.
3: Oh, they could totally—they could be. Like, I don't, I'm just processing, getting you your tea, and then they're yeah, like, "Yeah, I already like, know the answer. You know how it to in you with your yeah. tea, like,
1: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah." No, I think it's it's smart to do that because people are very hesitant with robots because they're worried they're going to take over the world eventually, um, and I think it's it's good for people to start you know, we're going to have robots, you know, sooner or later, there'll be a robot in everyone's home. And I know Amazon already is thinking about that. Oh, um, think
1: they started. Yeah, they already yeah. did. Yeah.
3: So I mean, the reality is that that that's probably going to happen. So yeah, if, if we can do it in a way where, you know, the humans feel a little bit more safe using them, that means that they will sell them better. So I mm. think in the end, it's kind of a necessity possibly now at this point for people to have a growing trust with robots at this time.
1: Would you trust a robot to do what kind of task?
3: Well, the whole thing, I still have a hard problem is knowing the fact that like my phone is near or if I'm using like, I don't know, Siri or any of those, that means that they could be listening at all times. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel safe, period, but I also use them because it makes my life easier. And most of the time when I ask questions, I know I could have just Googled it. Um, <laughs> so I don't Which I is don't way really better, know, by the way. Right? Or- yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, is it a necessity to have at this time? Probably not, but maybe in the future it might become a necessity. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited for the future. I just hope that we incorporate ethics very early on with any new product that comes out these days. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, Facebook.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that transparency, uh, Shauna and Diana. I mean, we, we talk a, a lot about that, like how do they arrive to the certain conclusion and who knows what, what we say, because the fear for me, it's Chloe, you said it is the, the device is listening. I honestly don't care if the device is listening, is who is listening to the device that worries me. <laughs> right? Um, so that's I was joking about the Google
4: search. I mean, uh, yeah. why it, that's any better than the listening yeah. device. Yeah. And I, yeah. Right. Why? Because robotics, Google is not
1: looking we, at what I search. Yeah.
4: Well, when no. it comes to ro- robotics and, and machines and systems, are, are we, I mean, do we know what people are thinking when they interact with us humans? I mean, we, nobody's displaying their thought process as we engage with them, right? Somebody might ask, well, why are you doing that? Or why are you behaving that way? Or why did you respond to my my comment or question that, that way? We, we don't get inside the minds of humans. So are we putting too much on machines? Or I don't know.
2: I think we might be jumping the gun in terms of some of the capability of, I mean, like growing empathy is a really complex uh, a system and process and human beings don't even understand why we have empathy or, or why some human beings don't have empathy, right? They don't if they could grow it, they would, but they can't. Um. So it's, it's, so I think we may be as far as giving machines empathy, that might be, that's a little bit getting more into general AI and we're very much in the land of narrow AI right now. But what I, I love about this for what can be applied right now is a push towards more transparency overall in our AI and ML that we're building, because a lot of systems really are black box and it's very hard for data scientists to understand if in, in some cases not even possible to understand how the weightings were arrived at by the algorithm and why those ratings were given the weights that they were. So the, you know, the outcome may be something that, you know, there's a little bit of, of lack of, of, of opacity. There's a, an opacity related to it, but there's a lot of work in ML and AI and, and to try and get more transparency into how these systems are working. So, I love the idea of getting a little bit more of a why did the algorithm come out with that recommendation? I think, though, we might be a little bit early for true empathy in, in robots. Mm-hmm. I know we had double dot nudge there. This is like crazy. <laughs> we lost Marco. <laughs> like, there are
1: ghosts in the machine on this episode. Weird going on I today. got I got kicked out myself. And,
4: uh, I'm going to add myself twice because I like myself.
1: Better. Oh, there you
2: go. <laughs> so nice you add your twice.
1: Yeah, so I, I pretty much lost the, the last few minutes of the conversation. Ah, like, I didn't say anything. Spooky. He's... Spooky. <laughs> Well, so what's the conclusion? Do we do we need to talk to ourselves then, or or not? Uh,
2: we, I, I think transparency in AI and ML and understanding how the the algorithms come at decisions is is important. I'm not sure that we're ready for robot empathy. Just technically, yeah. I'm not sure that. I that don't
3: that. think we. <laughs> I don't think you can because if to be able to have empathy, you have to be able to experience emotions, right? Mm -hmm. The whole concept of empathy is like when someone's sad about something that you're able to relate to that sadness. So that means that we have to build machines that are going to feel sad, depressed, Mm. anger, like very, very angry, um, disappointment, happiness, joyfulness, Uh, you know, that's the things that will... We'd have to build into it is for them to feel emotion in a way that humans do, so then they can have empathy.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we kept getting disconnected. <laughs> I think uh, I think, losing, I think losing, somebody,
4: uh, <laughs> patience and empathy
1: here. Somebody is not liking our conversation, and uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're hitting us uh, real, uh, uh, real hard. Uh. But we're, anyway, we're marking the one hour. So I think it's it's time to wrap. And um, I think that every conversation, as usual, can have multiple extension and dig in another episode. And uh, the important thing is that we kind of open up our mind and, and talk about different things. And hopefully the listener do the same. So I'm going to thank Chloe for being part of this and definitely take a note in term of having this conversation in a in, in a deeper way maybe on either your podcast or or one of our's podcasts. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time.
3: Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah,
1: <laughs> with all the disconnection too. This part I, I have
4: I have the answer. We need we need better spy craft.
2: Uh-huh. There you go. That's our problem. There we
1: go. That's probably all right. It. All right peace out everybody. All right this will be going on soon on the podcast so that uh, if you missed part of it you can actually watch it again and share it with everyone bye bye
0: blue lava is the first business platform for cisos to manage their security program blue lava guides security leaders to effectively measure optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company